welcome to another episode of Now About That with James and Sarah. I'm James. I'm Sarah. And on today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the movie Saltburn. Both of us have watched it and we're going to give our kind of reviews, say some things that we didn't like about it, um, some things that we really enjoyed. And then also before that, we're going to jump into some of the things that we're ready to kind of leave in 2023 and some things that we're just generally over. Sarah, how's it going? Do you want to start? It's going. <laughs> I'm alive. Well, I'm that's so debatable. Um, yeah, no, just, you know, stuff with stuff with work. Um, I think I said in the last episode that my manager put in her notice. Yeah. Well, now everybody knows, finally, not just me. Um, and of course, it's it's chaos. Everybody's just like, oh my God, what are we doing? What's happening? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, fuck. I don't know. We are keeping our fingers and toes crossed that um, upper management finds a replacement. Um, however... I have also prepared for the inevitability of that not happening. No. And by inevitability, what do you mean? So I don't trust this company um, because when I first got hired on, there was a problem where there was only the assistant manager and they had been telling the assistant manager over and over and over again, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna find a replacement. You know, we're going to take care of it. Um, we're going to have a manager there. We're going to take care of things. And then they just never did. Um, and then, like, when we finally did get a manager, um, the manager was god-awful and then ended up abandoning us. So then we were right back to having just the assistant manager. And they just, yeah. So I'm just like... I'm not holding my breath for them to do what they're supposed to be doing. Do you know anyone that could potentially want to be the manager? I've talked to a couple of people um, who ha have like toyed with the idea, um, but nothing like solid so far. Hmm. I'm just like, oof, this is a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have full faith in you that you'll be able to step up and handle what you need to handle whether that be um helping them find the person or maybe even moving into the role even if you maybe don't want it i don't know that's up to you though sarah that is your that is your journey to choose <laughs> yeah i'm not that is not a role that i wish to move into i am not interested in being higher up than i already am um and i have already like i said you know kind of prepared myself for the inevitability that they're not going to do what they need to do and so i've prepared my team so like everybody knows that jen is leaving now um but um everybody also is aware that because i'm not going to end up like the previous assistant manager that if they have not found a replacement by the end of january uh then i'm i'm done i i will be leaving because my manager gave them a month's notice before she left. And so that means that they would have almost two months worth of time to find another manager. So, well, I mean, 
at least you know what you want to do. Um, and hopefully they will figure it out before that comes and you won't have to deal with that. Fingers crossed. Well, do you want to move into talking about some things that we're over or things we want to leave in 2023? Sure. Did you not want to talk about your week? Oh, I haven't been doing anything at all this week. Um, I've been off, so I've done literally absolutely nothing other than uh, watch some Ugly Betty. And uh, Ryan and I have, I guess we decided to create a new tradition every Christmas where we watch the Great British Baking Show or Great British Bake Off, depending on where you're from, um, because we watched it last year with his mother and family at their house. And then this year we watched it too. Um, other than that, it's really just been having, enjoying the time off, not doing anything. Love that. Oh, I did get my, oh yeah, that thing. Um, I did get my master's degree. I got it actually, I think last week sometime. Um, and then I also received, I ordered a, um, a frame for it so that I could put it up. Mm -hmm. And behind me, no one can see this and you can't see it because we have the digital background there. I saw I sent it in the text or in the group text with you and Sam, but there's the three of them, uh, my associates, bachelor's and master's degree. And then in between it is the on air sign. Yeah. Yes. On air sign. Yes. So that's I got that hung up yesterday. I think it was yesterday, the day before um, it was just it was yesterday because I, I did some running around yesterday. Oh, speaking of, um, no, we'll get into that whenever I get we get into the things we want to leave in 2023. OK, so you want to so, jump into that? Did you yeah. do you have anything that I want to leave in 2023? Yeah, I have several things. Um, and some of them, there's like, they're bookmarked where, or not bookmarked, they're, um, sectioned. I'm using my little, my, uh, remarkable two notebook a lot oh, more. Nice. And like, so I have notes on salt burn, but then I also have notes on what I want to talk about in my notebook. I love this thing. I've been using it a lot. I love that for you. I, um, I do actually have a lot of stuff that I want to leave in 2023 um, that I was definitely thinking about. One of those things is um, I would really, really like to leave poverty in 2023. Like your own or yes. world poverty? Okay. I mean, world poverty would be great. I feel like that's a lot though, Sarah. I feel, I feel like I feel like that's a lot for me to get done <laughs> in a year's time. So, so I'm going to focus on myself first. And then once I get myself straightened out, then I'll work on the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, that's nice, but mine now seem very superficial <laughs> in <laughs> relation to what you just said, uh, because mine are all. So my first like sub bullet um, are uh, TikTok trends. So there's some TikTok trends that I have noted on here. Uh, the first one being um, we're blank. We so like there's a group of like two people oh, yes. that are like I know what you're talking about. We're millennials. We won't answer a phone call. It's it should be a text anyways. That type of thing. Yes. I'm so over seeing that in my TikTok feed, and I really want it to stop happening. It's like we get it. You're an individual. You're cool. You you like your own things. I don't care that you're because you're an Aries. You don't want to hear people talk about something. It's not my. I don't care. I'm over it. Okay. Um, yeah, there's not any, there's not any TikTok trends that I necessarily want to leave behind, but I also have not been watching TikTok nearly as much. Um, I have because I've been off this week. So that's kind of like all I do if I'm not watching, watching um, YouTube or Netflix or something. Yeah. Um, 
so I have three more of these trends that are TikTok trends. Um, there's, and that wraps up 2023, followed by like a ton of pictures from people from the beginning of 2023 to the end. I, I, I just don't like that. I'm over it. And every time I hear one, I know to just skip that TikTok. Like, I'm just going to move on because I hate it. I'm over it. The other thing is there's um, uh, Adele song, When We Were Young. Then it has, so it shows a picture of the couple current day and then when they were younger or when they first met. And some of them are so cringy because it's like when they first met, the person, the first, one person was like 14 and the other person was in their 20s. It's like, that's a little, <laughs> you really probably shouldn't post that. Yeah, that's a little mortifying, mortifying, please. I do, however, like to see the ones where it's a person and their dog, where it's showing their dog. And then when they first got their dog, I like those. Those are fun. Nobody also, was surprised. Yeah, I'm also over um, those videos where they steal content from other creators and have like the split screen where it looks like they're stitching or whatever that's called. I don't remember what it's called. Duetting uh, mm -hmm. the content. Um, and it's like the person's content is on one side and that's the sound. And then on the other side, it's like five minute crafts or something like that, where they're like cutting a shoe and then gluing it back together like that thing. And then it's not the actual original content creator isn't included in like the caption. You have no way of knowing where the video came from. I'm over that. I hate that because it's like I would rather see it from the original content creator than see it from some random farming, like video farming content creation company. Right. Those are the TikTok trends I would rather not see in 2024, although I'm sure we'll continue seeing them because they're annoying. Fair. Reasonable. Um, yeah, I don't I don't have any TikTok trends that I want to leave in 2023. I am very pro like as long as you're not hurting somebody else. Uh who the fuck cares what you do? Mm. Um, so the, the things I just I know I know you. <laughs> I know you're a bit of a grumpus. But so I mean that kind of takes me to my next like things you know I want to leave in 2023 are um pushing our opinions on the others. So those are my opinions. I don't care that people use them, they can continue use. I just don't want to see them. So the more I can, whenever I see those things, I'll either skip past it so that it knows to not serve that in my TikTok, or I will push and hold and say, or do the little broken heart thing and says, do not show me this, uh, so that it kind of tells my algorithm that I don't want to see it. Right. So I'm not trying to tell people not to do them. I just, to my TikTok algorithm, if you're listening, stop showing me the crap. Fair, fair, fair. Um, I, let's see. Things I want to leave in 2023. Uh, Self-doubt. Okay. Uh, I want to stop stop doubting myself. Um, be a little bit more decisive going forward into 2024. Which that kind of goes back to that insights discovery thing that we talked about as some things that you needed to work on. Yes. Being more decisive. Yes. Interesting. Um, the next thing I have is letting other generations' feelings or opinions determine how we work or live. So I don't think it's any generation's opinion. Like, you'll hear it from, like, the baby boomers saying something stupid, like, oh, the new generations don't even know how to write a check and stuff like that. And then even when it comes down to, like, clothing trends, there's the younger generation, Gen Z, that doesn't want or that, oh, the side part is out 
it's like, well, you might not like the side part, but for some people, the side part is the only part that works and it works best for their feature. So you can't really tell them not to wear it. Those types of things. Right. And that goes back to my original one where it's don't push your opinions on other people. I get it. Trends are trends, but not everyone has to live by those trends because they don't always work for everyone. And they're trends for a reason because they should only be around for a short short period of time and then they go away. There. What else do you got? Um the the war in Gaza, like Israel bombing Gaza. I'd like to leave that in 2023. I really need to deep dive into that and kind of understand because I see it and I'm like, I'm trying to understand what first of all, kind of what the issue is, and then what the like what is the benefit of continuing it? Well, I have plenty of links. Um, Maybe we can look at that in another episode in 2024 where we look at it and talk about it and maybe provide some guidance to some people that listen. Because honestly, I don't know. So I don't really know what stance to take. And that's my fault because I don't look into it enough. Um, Maybe I should look into it. I do know that like Deborah Messing is getting a lot of flack right now because she apparently went to where the issue is happening. And she said that she like is oh like she stands with the fight like she doesn't see it a reason for it to end that she stands with israel you mean or stands with gaza i don't know which one is which that's why i don't understand okay well there's there's a difference um so gaza is palestine and the state of israel is attacking palestine and has been for years and years and years and years trying to colonize it Um, by people who are known as Zionists. Zionists are different than Jewish people. Um, They are Jewish people who, they're a subsect of Jewish people who believe in the superiority of um, Zion, which in their mind is Palestine that belongs to them and it's theirs, even though that it's not theirs at all okay so yeah it was then it was israel and um like i said let's table that and we can do an entire episode on that where we look into it and talk about it because i don't know enough to give into this to give back to this conversation (laughs) understandable understandable my next one um is remote work guilt um so people that have the ability to work remotely or most of their job doesn't make need them to be in the office and feeling guilty about it. I don't think people should feel guilty about not going to the office. Yeah, I don't think people should feel guilty about not going to the office either. And on the flip side, if your employees, their job doesn't need, doesn't have a need for them to actually be in the office, don't make them feel bad if they're not coming into the office. Because it's good for them. It's good for their mental health. It's good for travel traffic. They don't need to drive in. They don't they shouldn't have to. I just, I feel like for some people, it, they work better alone at home. And I don't understand the the whole concept of, oh, well, if you're not here, then you're not able to like work with your coworkers or you're not able to actually like network with everyone. It's like, well, that's not true. There's digital networking now. And Not everyone needs to network with their coworkers. And a lot of the times, if I go into the office and I'm networking, I'm not getting my work done. (laughs) So I'm sometimes more productive when I'm 
not actually in work where people can come up and start talking to me and um, detract, detract, distract me from my actual job. <clears throat> Understandable. And then I just have uh, one, two, three, four more. Okay. Um, something I wanted to leave. So I said poverty. I said the war in Gaza. I said being indecisive. Um, Donald Trump. I want to leave in 2023. So I have that further down. Um, but mine is Biden versus Trump. And my like sub bullet to that is guess what? They both suck. Yeah. I would rather not have either one of them. But if I have to choose between the two, I'm choosing Biden because Trump is a monster and I don't think he's good for the country. And I don't think his rhetoric is conducive to a functioning society. I agree. And that's that's what I have on that one. <laughs> so if it does come down to me having to choose between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, I will have to choose Joe Biden every time, even though I don't really want to either. I, I hate it when people are like, oh, well, you chose him. It's like, well, that was the only option I had because I wasn't choosing the other one. Yeah. If I would have had a better option to choose that I knew would win, I would choose that person over Joe Biden any day because I don't necessarily think and I don't think I think there's a lot of but Democrats that don't think Joe Biden is doing a good enough job and don't think Joe Biden can do a good job going forward, at least not for what we want or for what I want specifically. I'll talk about me specifically. Um, so I don't really want to vote for Joe Biden, but if it's that's my only option between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, I'm not choosing Donald Trump ever. Yeah, no, Donald Trump is not a choice in any scenario. Yeah, there's there's no world in any scenario where I would ever choose Donald Trump unless I was like forced to. And I don't even think I would then I would just abstain. So my next one is um, screen time anxiety. I see everybody talking about, oh, my screen time, my screen time is up and it's crazy. I monitor my screen time. It's like you, you don't. I mean, if it's, yeah, detracting from distracting you from work and keeping you from having like an actual life and you want to set some boundaries and some guidelines for yourself that are healthy, then do by all means do that. But I don't necessarily care to hear how how annoyed you are that, oh, your screen time, everybody's on their phone all the time. Well, that's fine. Other people can be on their phone and on their screens. That's their personal choice. Right. Right. Like that's that's an individual's personal choice and like don't get me wrong here's here's the thing about boundaries is like they're they're rules and guidelines for yourself things that you will and will not tolerate so if that's a boundary that you have set for yourself where you're just like you know i want to spend actual time with somebody where we're not on our phones the whole time and somebody doesn't want to do that well then you move on with your life you don't want it. If that's not something that you want to have around you, then don't have that around you. However, you do have to remember that that does not mean that you have the ability to dictate other people's behaviors. Yeah. And we talked about that on, I think it was two episodes ago or two or three episodes ago where we um, read a Reddit post where someone was talking about their, they set a boundary with their boyfriend, but their boyfriend or their girlfriend, and they kept breaking the boundary because they were hanging out with their friend at the gym or something like that. Their male friend at the gym. And it was like, well, did you agree on that boundary? How did you work with that boundary? Is it your boundary that you forced on that person or how does it work? Yeah. So yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Uh, um, and then my next one is EV car shame. So like 
Um, there's a lot of issues where people are like, oh, you have an electric car. Oh, electric cars are going to there's issues that are you're going to see that are different and uh, different with electric cars that you wouldn't see if you had a gas powered car or the charging. It takes too long to charge. What's like I'm, I don't think you understand how big of a decision it was or how much effort and re not review um, and like forethought went into someone someone looking at into buying an electric car versus a gas powered car. And for me personally, I do a lot of research. I look into it. I looked into what car I think would work best for me, given the price that I had to work within. And I don't think it makes sense for you to tell me that I made the wrong decision because of something that could theoretically happen in the future. It's like, well, I mean, you have I made the decision to go to an electric car because I was spending $150 every week in gas and with an electric car it's free. I can charge at work for free. I can charge here. Um but I mean it's it's not as expensive to charge here if I need to. Like yesterday I charged for a little bit and it was less than $10 and I have 100 miles that I over 100 miles that I can drive now for just $10. So it's like I made the decision for a reason and I'm seeing like every time someone and I, I hate that I'm on Facebook again, but I've started looking at Facebook some just because when I'm bored, I want to get on there and look at something. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't interact or do anything. I just look. <laughs> Um, right. But I'll see like someone post a question to a EV group and then people are on there and they bash like EVs. And it's like, why are you interacting with this EV group if you're not going to provide input that is helping the situation or helping someone understand or answering someone's question? And there's like someone has a question. So they post a picture of something that's wrong with their car or there's a message that comes up that they've never seen before. So they're asking, have you seen this message? They're wanting to collaborate with other EV owners. And then there's just that laughing emoji where they react because people are laughing at it. It's like, why are you laughing at something that someone's seeing? If you buy a new car, most new cars have these same issues, whether it's gas powered or electric. So why does it, it doesn't make sense to me that you're having that interaction and reaction when it's none of your business and you could have just scrolled on. Um, but that brings me to an interaction I had yesterday. It was really weird. I was sitting or pulling up to a stop sign or a stoplight um, and the car beside me, I heard it honk and I was like, that's weird. So and then it honked again. And so I looked over and he was like waving at me and he asked me to roll down my window and I was like, great. And then all he wanted to know was how much range I get on my car. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I get it's just under 300 miles with full full charge. She goes, oh, OK, thanks. That was all he wanted. That kind of interaction is what I want to see and what is cool. It's like when you're being negative about someone that has an electric car and I've, I haven't experienced it. Most people are excited and they, they have questions. But like that interaction online is where it's like, is that really necessary? What like what what do you get from that? Yeah, I don't understand that either. Do you have anything else? Because I have one more and then I'm done. <laughs> and then we can move into salt burn. Um, I would love to see... Um, I would like to leave behind these family vlogging things where people force their kids to essentially, you know, perform for the masses. Yeah. Um, I think... Um, go, sorry, I think, go ahead. I'll let you finish. I think it's gross to exploit your children like that. Um, I think it's gross that some people take it to the extreme of like purposefully having more children to make the money off of them instead of actually because they want them. I think that's 
disgusting behavior. Yeah, I do I think. I really would like to leave it in 2023. Yeah, I agree with like the, you can see that like the kid doesn't want to do it. The kid's not interested in being involved at all. Um, I, I agree with that. I think if a child wants to do it and they're excited about it and it's something that they enjoy doing, by all means, let them do it. Because I mean, with you being involved as the parent, you're kind of curating what actually goes out and showing the world kind of what how you as a parent are working your way through it um, and how you're dealing with it and working with the child. Does that make sense? Yes. I don't pay attention to those because that's not my that's not my demographic because I hate children. Um, so, so I don't I don't watch that. But if it's something like you were saying where it's disgusting and you can see that the child doesn't want to do it and it's exploitative for the child, yeah. I understand that. But when it's like, oh, the child is the one that wants to do it and they're enjoying it, put healthy boundaries around it and make sure you're you're comfortable with sharing the specific content that you want to share about like your parenting and right. how your child interacts. Yeah, I'm talking about commodifying your kid. Yeah, I understand. I agree. I think like, those are gross. Yeah, I think that's disgusting. Like, don't don't commodify your children. Capitalism is terrible enough, please. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that was that's all I have. The only other thing I have, and it kind of goes into the same line of exploiting your children is the gypsy rose blanchard thing i'm already tired of seeing about it yeah like i keep seeing every time i open my tiktok or my instagram or anything it's just like something's going on with the gypsy rose blanchard and it's like i don't care i get it it's an interesting thing that happened and it's terrible and now she's out and living her life but i don't need to see it and i don't care to see it right and and you know what that's fair i um, I've honestly been avoiding anything having to do with that just because it's it provides me with a lot of complex feelings about things. Like it's just such a terrible incident that happened and the way that she was if like what she's saying is true, the way she was being raised with her mom having Munchausen by syndrome by proxy syndrome and her mom putting her through those things, that makes sense. I understand and it's terrible for her, but she needs therapy. She doesn't need a to write a book. She doesn't need a memoir. She doesn't need a documentary about her life. She needs to talk to someone and work through the issues on her own is my thing. Yeah, I agree. I think we as a society are glamorizing trauma too much when it should be something that you deal with on your own. Yeah. Commodifying trauma is another thing that like, yeah. So, moving over to Saltburn. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, when I pitched this, and by the way, um, just as a heads up, we are going to be talking about Saltburn. We're going to be talking about stuff that happened in the movie. We're going to be talking about specific scenes, the overall ending. Um, so, this is a um, spoiler alert. So, if you don't want to, if you haven't watched it and you feel like you're, you plan on, on watching it and you don't want to be spoiled, go watch it first and then come back to us and listen to our review. Right. We are also not critics. 
we have not gone to school. We don't review any other movies. Um, I just thought it would be fun because I watched it and I really did enjoy it. And then I keep seeing like all this content online about people reacting to certain scenes. And there are three scenes specifically that I noted that are like controversial moments. And I'm like, they're not really that bad if you watch any some other movies or if you read books, some books, <laughs> they're not really that scandalous when you think about it. Right. So I have like a quick overall review of the movie. And then I have like three of the scenes specifically that I kind of highlighted and are um, four scenes, five scenes that I, I want to talk about a little bit. Okay, okay. So for my, so while you're doing that for my overall review, it's like I really enjoyed the movie and feel like people are overreacting to a few scenes that were meant to show exactly how far Oliver was going to go. Uh, for what he wanted. Everyone that I'm seeing react is mainly talking about how terrible Oliver is. And I really feel like Farley is the worst character. To me, I thought Farley was the worst character in the entire movie. And then um, the other thing that I agree with Ryan is when he talks about how beautifully shot the movie is and um, thought that the aspect ratio, because it was like old school, like letterbox instead of widescreen. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really interesting and it was an interesting choice to choose. Agreed. So that's my overall review. Okay. So I wrote a lot of things down. <laughs> um, A lot of things. So I wrote gorgeous, vile. Um, it reminded me of a combination of A Separate Piece by John Knowles, which is um, my least favorite book, actually. It's really funny because that was the first thing that I posted on Facebook because I, I posted that I was watching it and I was just like this. The, I'm 22 minutes in and this reminds me of a separate piece. Um, then also The Talented Mr. Ripley, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, The Great Gatsby, and another British movie whose name I can't think of and I still can't think of it. Um, I said the story is best described by the line um, where Venetia is telling Oliver that he is a moth I, I think that whole little speech she gives him really solidifies the movie. Um, it The filmography is gorgeous. It was beautiful, decadent, lush, sinfully lit. Um, it was also sinister, manipulative, and erotic. And I just, I wrote, I just, what do, what do I say? What can I say? I went into the movie without having seen or heard literally anything about it and without watching the trailer. I'm really surprised you hadn't seen or heard anything about it. I had not seen or heard anything about it. Um, I didn't look anything up about it while I was watching it. I looked up to see where I had seen certain actors from before. Yeah. Um, because, yes. Anyway. Um, I didn't realize that the like, guy that the guy that played Felix also played um, Elvis in Priscilla. I did not realize that either. Um I recognized him from a movie, a terrible movie, um, called The Kissing Booth. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, wait a minute. Is this the guy from The Kissing Booth? And then was I was also, like, oh, my God, it is. He was also in Euphoria. That's like yes, his biggest. I have not seen Euphoria. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, But I also put, besides the fact that I, just, I went into the movie not seeing anything, not watching the trailer, I didn't even read like the little burb 
blurb. The only thing that like caught my eye, obviously, was when I was getting ready to start the movie, and it like has that a little bit of a blurb at the beginning. Um, so, but the only part that I caught of that before I started the movie was that um, Oliver is a guy at Oxford struggling yeah. to fit. In. I was just like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um. So what else? Um. I loved the movie. It left my uh, me with my jaw hanging off the hinge, and I have a <laughs> lot of questions. A lot of questions. Um, I thought I knew where it was going, and I didn't. Like I was, I was very convinced that I knew exactly how this was going to end, and I was wrong. I think I thought it was going to go the way that it did, but I didn't think it would show the portion of it that kind of shows how he thought it through in advance yeah i didn't realize it was like oh he was he was planning all these things as they as he like saw them come up he planned to do it and how to do it yeah 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 so that that was the that was what i had written down um like i wrote down more but it's not not the overall um other than i'm absolutely going to be watching the movie again yeah Um, i actually i plan on watching it again tonight um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then I'm already planning on watching it again uh, next week when I show it to friends. So, <laughs> I mean, it's a good movie and it's beautifully shot. No, like you it's, said, it's gorgeous. It's my new, it's my new favorite movie, to be honest, easily in my new top, in, like in my top 10 now. Yeah. Like the, the English landscape, the, the house that they shot in the castle te- technically it's a castle that yeah. they shot in. It's beautiful. And just watching some of the videos uh, where the director is talking about why she shot certain things in a certain way, where it's showing, like she was talking about how, when they were doing, he was doing the tour when Felix was giving Oliver the tour of the house, the focus was not on the house or the things that Felix was pointing out. It was on Felix because it was showing you kind of that obsession that Oliver has, excuse me, that Oliver has with, had with Felix and his focus was less on the house and more on like how Felix was talking, things where Felix was talking about and less like this was from Henry VIII and this is from where the the king actually came and stayed here those types of things right and it was like and there was this even a shot where she paused and showed like a a freeze frame of him standing next to felix standing next to oliver and she was like this is why we choose lenin when we're trying to kind of construct the feeling of romanticizing about someone because when you're in love with someone or you are infatuated that much with someone the showing the light that comes through and like it it shows the line of the body from the light coming through the the linen because it's so thin uh you're focusing less on kind of what the person you are infatuated with is wearing and more on like the shape of their body and how how it looks like how they look and that type of thing and that's why they choose filmmakers a lot of the time choose to to shoot with linen when they're it's like a dark environment but there's there's light that shines through a window or shines onto the people mm-hmm. the other thing so some of the con do you have anything else before we jump into some of the controversial moments or the moments everyone's are talking everyone is talking about i have critiques theories and opinions okay do you want to do that now or after i do it now okay um one of my critiques and this is the same critique that i have for all, okay, if if anybody out there has ever watched 
um, the talented Mr. Ripley or the killing of a sacred deer or the Great Gatsby, um, or you've read a separate piece, you know exactly what I'm about to say, which is let gay slash bi slash pansexual men fucking love each other. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, just let them be in love. Okay. Goddamn. Um, <laughs> Like, let let there be intense male friendships without one of them having to fucking die. Like, just, or be brutally injured. Yeah. Or what have you. Uh, I think that once we got to the ending of the movie, it made sense that he did have to die with the, the way that it was going to end. Like, I'm not saying that it didn't make sense with how the rest of the movie went. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, obviously I have several, you know, like, um, examples in my, in my thing, which is why I'm like, but just let them be. God damn. Yeah. Um, let's see. Also, I read somewhere after I watched the film that Barry, um, I'm so sorry. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, Kyogen? Yeah. Kyohan, something like that, um, has nothing to worry about his penis was lovely um because like he he did an interview where he was just like yeah i was feeling real self-conscious about like you know doing the naked scenes and whatnot and i'm just like you you have nothing 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 to worry about whatsoever um yeah but i think oh, everybody is self-conscious when it comes to that type of thing like no, even I'm like super fair yeah I'm just saying, like, it's as far as as far as things to be concerned about that his penis is not one. <laughs> it, it, it was fine. Um, and and my theory, the theory that I have, um, is that I felt like this could have been um, a story from the point of view of the devil. To be honest, like Oliver is the devil, and he's just enjoying unraveling this entire family yeah from the inside out and like and the thing is is the way that he does it is by playing on their their obsessions with themselves their obsessions with their wealth and power and status their obsessions with um you know people people lesser than them you know he just plays on their own you know internal shit and yeah and i think you can really see that when he and the way he interacts with elspeth and like he placates to oh she's eating up me talking about the friend or the the project that she has the that female role which i don't even remember like poor what was her name it was like like even in the <laughs> Like, that's how um, bad it was, even in the movie. Yeah, the character was played by Carrie Mulligan, but I yeah. don't remember the name of the character either. Like, even in the actual, like, credits, it's, like, she doesn't have, like, it's just not a name. Her name is... Oh, where is it? Poor Dear Pamela. That is her character's name. Poor Dear Pamela. It's not just Pamela. Yeah. It's not just Pamela. It's Poor Dear Pamela. <laughs> So she, it's like they, 
the way that he like talks about Pamela and he's like feeding into, oh yeah, he can tell that the mom has like second thoughts or she's tired. Elspeth has second thoughts or she's tired of having her around. He kind of feeds into it and she's like, he's basically, and I wrote down, um, Oliver really understood how to act with each member of the family, the mother in particular. He would listen to her and amplify her thoughts to help validate what she was saying. The final scene, we'll go with that. We'll go, that's later. <laughs> it talks about the final scene with her. Hold on one second. Um, I missed a call from one of my employees, so... Okay, I will pause. Okay, so basically what I was saying was, um, I think I agree what you were saying where you feel like he understood how to interact with and feed off of the family's insecurities or their issues or what they were having, like what, what they felt like they needed to, I don't really know how to say it, like something that they were they they knew or it would feed into like their like, like their, their narrative internal yeah their own internal narrative that they have um one of the things that i wrote about my like little theory about oliver being the devil um and kind of framing this in my own head as um not that like the rapture has happened but kind of like the devil is bored yeah and so yeah. like because that's kind of how the whole thing felt was like it was almost like he was bored but anyway um one of the things that i said was that i wrote down here was he's slimy he's broody silky off-putting awkward but also oddly attractive and to be honest i would let him fuck me <laughs> um he's he's my new problematic fave i'm just yeah. like i found him fascinating oliver was such an interesting character because like you never you never really knew which Oliver you were getting. Yeah. And that kind of goes into the reason I was talking about Farley and how I think he was the worst character or worst character between Oliver and Farley. I thought he was worse because he was annoyed and frustrated that Oliver was stepping in and getting the attention that the family had been giving to him. And he didn't actually want that to happen. So he kept like doing things to make the family question Oliver or to make the family um, like distance themselves to Oliver. Uh, and right. like, that's why I felt like it was more, he was the more uh, contra, or he was the worst character between I the two. That. Like I he's like, that. he's basically like, oh, I don't want him to have this because I have it. And if he has it, then I won't have it. Right. There's definitely, um, there's definitely that kind of feeling to it. But I also can't really fault Farley for um, the scene where he's like talking about things with his mom and how his mom's, you know, living in squalor and, you know, all these things. And like, it's not to say that Felix's family had not done a lot for Farley um, because he was family. But, you know, it's it is a big problem, especially in like those upper class areas where black people are still looked down upon. Like he is still a, you know, mixed heritage person moving through um, a pr predominantly, you know, white society. Yeah. Um, and even though his family supports him financially in certain areas, they don't truly understand him. And they're talking just as much shit about him behind his back as they all do about everybody else. Right. I think it was interesting. So moving on from him to like the interaction between uh, Felix and Oliver, when Oliver or when Felix was 
trying to surprise Oliver by taking him to see his mom, what he thought was just his mom. Um, And this is a big spoiler because it's part of like the main concept of the movie where Oliver had essentially lied about his background, saying that his mom was a giant drug addict. She was selling drugs. She was making drugs. And then he had gotten a phone call that his dad had died um, because he like fell down and cracked his head open or something. So he passed away. And the way that he's reacting and how frustrated he is with Felix taking Oliver to see his his mom and he knows, oh, this is going to be shattered. Like the lie that I've kind of weaved and this this concept of who I am is now going to be shattered now that Felix actually gets to see, oh, my family is is not poor. My family is is like they're not rich, but they're yeah, they're, they're like middle class. Yeah, they're comfortable. And I don't like I don't actually live the way that I'm showing myself to actually have lived. Like the the concept of who I am isn't real. Um, and the way that he's reacting to it while they're in the house, somebody posted something about, oh, I felt so uncomfortable for him. It's like, well, you should feel uncomfortable for him because he completely lied about what was going on. Yeah. And f- like faked the entire concept of his life. So it makes sense that you should feel bad for him. And it's kind of like he then kind of has to put it in his mind. How is he going to move forward and keep this facade up with the family now that Felix knows and Felix is now a um, like a stepping stone, not a stepping stone, a roadblock in his way to getting what he wants. Yeah. So even though he may love him as much as he did or he's obsessed with him, I put love in quote, he's obsessed with him as much as he is. He's more obsessed with the lifestyle and family that he has. And that's what he wants more than Felix. And he's kind of recognizing that at that point. Yeah. He's more obsessed with the power and privilege of that Felix has than Felix by the end. Yeah. Um, But I just I just found it like so fascinating but i will say that um in in real life in real life uh don't do not do what felix did and like try to you know put somebody like try to mend things between family members who are not talking especially if it's a child talking about like traumatic experiences that they had with their parent because Oliver mentioned like I know that Oliver was lying I I understand that but at one point Oliver says that you know he had to stick his fingers down his mother's throat to help her vomit up the pills or she wouldn't wake up yeah and like that's that's a traumatic experience don't don't be the person who's like oh you know what my friend has told me about all these traumatic experiences they've had with this really shitty parent of theirs let me try to fix it between them yeah no, it's, don't, don't it's, do that it's interesting i i was i was taken aback by that because i'm like if i ever had that like i don't have that relationship with my family but if i had had that relationship with my family how would i react to someone like i might have jumped out of the car as we were driving same if i absolutely i would have said no stop the car i'm getting out i'm walking and then like like, i would not have gone into the house yeah it's like a say he's he has a savior complex he thinks he's going to he talked to his mom and felix talked to oliver's mom and he's like well she sounded fine to me it's like well yeah 
those type of people that have that relationship or have that mindset can put on a facade and make it seem like they're fine to someone that they don't know when in reality there's so many issues and as soon as their family member comes back into it that's when they start like manipulating that family member again yeah abusive people are really good at hiding that they're abusive especially to other people yeah especially to other people which is why it's so important to believe somebody first like don't like it's so important to believe somebody first until you have evidence otherwise yeah um so now did you have anything else before we jump into the like the controversial moments that people are all talking about online no but i there's there's one that one scene i know you know exactly which scene i'm talking about that i desperately desperately want to talk about i don't know what scene you're talking about which one the the one towards the end after after they find felix in the maze where he's on top of the grave my guy oh okay yeah so yeah that's one of them um i want to start talking about the first scene or the first like controversial scene that comes up in the bathtub like with the bathtub scene yes and my notes on that are uh the bathtub scene the way that the scene was photographed was just beautiful Uh, people people were way too focused on what he was doing to see how the lighting composition and the angle of the camera made the audience feel closer to the actual action uh while yes i agree that it is gross people experience lust and obsession in a different way and this scene makes you really understand just what level of lust and obsession oliver had for felix yes So, like, I think about it, and when you see, like, photographs of that specific scene, uh, it reminds me a little bit of um, Flashdance, like the scene where she's on the chair getting ready to have, like, the water poured on her. The lighting composition and the way that you're focusing on the action and what's going on in it is very similar to that. Right. Like, I thought it was beautiful. I understand people are focused on what was actually happening. They're not focused oh, yeah, on yeah. the, like, the composition, the lighting, and the the way that it was photographed as much as they should be. Yeah, no, they're not, they're not focusing on, like, the meaning behind it or how it's filmed. They're focusing on the action itself. Which, like, I mean, yeah, ew. But also, <laughs> holy fuck, like... This is, it gives us a deeper understanding of who Oliver is as a person. Yeah. It's gorgeously shot and like I... it lays into, you know, what, what is to come. It sets us up. I don't really understand. Like, I understand people having that like reaction to how gross it is. I think some of it is a little dramatized with how people are reacting because of the, like the hilarity factor of it. Um, I don't think if you think about it, like people have, like they get like a, a, cloth that someone like a famous celebrity used to blow their nose they keep that and they save it they take like locks of people's hair it's that level of obsession is what we're dealing with when we when that bathtub scene happened yeah 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 that's what i think is hilarious for sure did you have any other thoughts on that before we move on to the next scene that i have written down uh no i i think that we we summed it up pretty well so the other scene that we have or that i have is the it's i'm gonna quote it as the vampire scene oh yes (laughs) because honestly to me that scene is way worse than the bathtub scene right but we're not gonna unpack all the reasons why yeah um, and then let's see what else did I say. So again, same thing with this one. The lighting and the composition of this scene was beautiful. The way it was like outside, blue lit. Um, 
it really kind of made you understand and accentuate what was happening with the kind of lighting concept that was going on in the actual photography of the, the scene. Right. And to me, it makes you really understand like how obsessed Oliver was with this family and kind of placating into their need to kind of be validated yeah and like seen yeah he was like oh this is how i can and he's really listening too that's the other thing that that it points out is like just how much information he is taking in and then turning around and weaponizing to essentially play the family like a fiddle right and then the next scene i have is just where um in the farley bedroom scene I did. First of all, I didn't realize it was Farley. At first? He, yeah. At, well, even afterwards, I didn't realize it was him until it was like at the end where it was showing him sending the text or the email from his from Farley's phone. Oh. I thought it was him and Oliver or him and Felix. No. So at one point I was excited for him because he was getting his Felix fix. <laughs> but then I realized, oh, it wasn't Felix. It was Farley. So right. I kind of felt a little, I didn't feel sad for him, but I was like a little disappointed. Um, and it kind of, to me, and I wrote down um, in a way, it's, it, it's, it's a way to show how manipulative Oliver really is. And this scene really does show that. And Farley was getting in his way and really needed, he really needed him to go. Um, and Oliver saw a way to kind of make that happen. And he kind of took, took that and he like made, he used Farley's kind of obsession with him. Cause Farley was a little bit obsessed with Oliver too. Yes. So he used his obsession with Oliver to Oliver's advantage and like while he was asleep afterwards he sent the email that kind of got him kicked out of the house right the first time (laughs) the first time um but what i was gonna say and then that if you don't have anything else that brings us to the the (laughs) graveyard scene graveyard scene and i have something i like i have been watching some stuff on it and did like there's so many things that are like it wasn't written in the scene for him to dig the hole and basically have sex with the the grave that wasn't in the script for him to do that it was just he was supposed to be like completely in pain completely distraught that felix is now dead he doesn't have felix anymore the actual like digging the hole and essentially having sex with his grave was not written into the scene at all so barry just went with it yeah he was like and it he even said in an interview he asked for a closed set that day and was like i have i have an idea to do something just go with it and they just did and that's what he did i mean to be fair though it made sense in the context of the character of the character yeah with everything else it made sense but that's that's wild that's wild that that was not in the script i i remember i was sitting there and i was just like okay please do not have sex with this grave because that is the (laughs) first place i went i was like please i saw him like the way he was holding the ground and the way he was like moving and i was like no please don't do this (laughs) please do not do this and then he faked me out because the music cuts after a moment and so i thought we were getting ready to transition to another scene and then he started fucking the ground and i yeah. was like god damn it 
And that kind of, so that kind of brings us to after that, they cut to the scene where they're in the house and he's like wiping the dirt from his clothes. And then the father, and this is the most, to me, this is the most uncomfortable scene in this entire, no, sorry, that was before, this is before that. When they found his, Felix's body and they're waiting for like the medical examiner to come and the the breakfast that they're having where they're talking about it and or they're trying not to talk about it and they're trying to make it seem like it didn't happen yeah that is the most uncomfortable scene for me that was a really really uncomfortable scene because you can see the father is kind of like that like that british like um narrative where it's we don't talk about things that are make make us uncomfortable we kind of pretend like it doesn't have it didn't happen and it really kind of takes that to that extreme and also um like the way that oliver reacts to it where he's just like he's trying to help kind of make the father and the mother comfortable where you can see like farley and um what's her name venetia venetia they're breaking down they're losing it and the father and the mother are trying not to lose it they're trying to keep it together right and like that scene the way that he like the the housekeeper the the the, what is it called the butler he comes up and he's like he keeps interrupting he asks for them if he can send a member of the gardening team or the gardener to one of the gardeners or the the garden staff to go help them with the maze because they keep getting lost and then um if he wants him to close the blinds as they're bringing the the body through and how he closes the blinds he struggles with the one curtain can't get it closed and then they lose it and he closes it but you can still hear the wheels of the cart like the um the gurney the gurney being like pulled through the the house or not the house but around the house that was the most uncomfortable scene for me i think the most uncomfortable scene for me um was when they're in the office and like the dad is is trying to trying to convince oliver to leave yeah and oliver's just like i just don't think that i can leave her right now it kind of shows you how like the father is thinking of it like if he stays here she's not going to be able to move past it because she's going to keep getting reminded because of Oliver yeah of what happened and he kind of wants to he's using his wealth to make it go away yeah he's essentially he's using his money to make a problem disappear yeah um but this comes into one of the questions that I had which is you know, obviously it's it's a time later because Oliver has changed a lot. He's grown up. Um, and like also like kudos, kudos to the makeup team um, for how they like everybody, how they styled his hair differently, how they yeah. because he looked like he had gone like he had grown up like he was a he was a different person and but it made me wonder if since he knew that she was going to be in the coffee shop if he's the reason that her husband died as well see that's the part addresses that but yeah that's the part that i feel like they did miss but it was a really it was already a pretty long movie so they needed to cut some of the stuff out so it's like how did his how did the father pass like what happened it didn't it didn't really it talked about it a little bit but it didn't really like talk about what happened 
Yeah, and it sounded like from what, like, at least to me, the way that it came across to me, um, when she was like, you know, he tried to handle it for as long as he could. To me, that sounded like he ended up killing himself. Yeah. Which made me wonder if, you know, Oliver had something to do with it because Oliver had something to do with Venetia's death and had something to do with Oliver, like Felix's death and Farley getting, you know, kicked out and all this other stuff. So yeah, so he basically, the way that it turned out was Felix or Farley got blamed for Felix's death. Yeah. Because he like alluded to uh, Farley doing cocaine and then it was basically an overdose because Oliver had dumped a bunch of cocaine into the the champagne bottle yeah so yeah it was it was interesting and i i do wish like that's part of it that i wish i kind of understood more and maybe because they did some cutaway scenes where they talk about um like him what happened with him and uh elspeth but they didn't really like show anything about what happened with him if anything did happen with him and uh james the father right and that kind of takes me to my last scene that i have um before like the final scene with the the song that I am now obsessed with. I love that song. I didn't, I knew it before watching the movie, but now that I know, like I liked it before, but I like it even more now. Um, But the scene that I'm talking about specifically is like his final, like the final, like terrible thing that he does where he rips the tube. Yes. From Elspeth's mouth throat. Yes. Like the breathing tube, but the ventilator tube that she has that's keeping her alive. Uh-huh. She pulls that thing out like it is a whip. Yep. And he just yanks it. Yeah, it's terrible. Like I saw that scene and it was like, it hurt my stomach. Like it that. made me want to vomit as well. I was like, oh my God, like that is no. Um, I actually, I was terrified for a hot minute that he was going to assault her. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think that was, he kind of felt like... To me, in, like, their relationship, he was, she was the mother. Like, he was her child. So he was treating her more of, like, that's the mother figure. Right. That plays into the, um, like, the the Freudian idea of the, the sexual relationship with the mother. Because he definitely makes a pass at Elspeth. He definitely... I don't, I don't feel like there towards the end that it was purely a mother-child feeling. I don't, I don't know that that's what he was doing. I think he was trying to make her feel more attractive because he knows she's, she's of that age where she's starting to feel like less attractive. It wasn't so much that he wanted to have that type of relationship or he would have had that type of relationship with her. It was kind of like from a child standpoint where, oh, tell your mom she looks, she looks great. Um, she's going to take it from him because she's he's not her child. So she's going to take it as, oh, I do still still look attractive. But that I don't think that's to me, that's not where his mind ever was. But I don't know because I didn't write it and I wasn't involved. And then the last scene I have is uh, the final scene where he is dancing naked through the uh, salt burn house. Yes, which is kind of like the final insult, isn't it? It's kind of the final insult, but it's also kind of like his victory lap where he um is like finally able to feel like this is where he actually belongs it's his and it's like he's comfortable enough to strip and he even like uh barry Yogan says it in an interview it's like it was his point at this point where he felt comfortable enough to strip down and actually like move around the house and it was like he made it basically yeah 
it just it it was wild it it made me laugh a little bit too because um you know it's not just a final insult but it's also like going against everything else that was them they were all very proper they were all very stay calm carry on they were all very you know um oh you know elspeth couldn't stand um any facial hair whatsoever on men yeah. you know it's just it's disgusting and you know it's just very it just really was like a slap in the face to everything that they how posh that they were and i just i loved that it made me laugh actually because i was just like well you know they the the ghosts of the house probably don't appreciate that yeah i think it's um the the most part the part that i feel is most interesting is when it shows the pebbles like he went and collected the pebbles that they threw in the river yes of each of them it was like he was taking them back like they yeah. belonged to him and like even in death they belonged to him yeah and like i guess that was the other reason why i just kind of felt like he was the devil right like they were he he was collecting their souls by collecting yeah. the the pebbles yeah um i do have to say i don't think to me i don't think Rosamund Pike, like she was the perfect, a great actress for it. I don't think she was old enough to me for, for her to be their mother. Um, like maybe the stepmother. I don't, I couldn't, like I could see it, but I don't think, I think an older woman would have made more sense. I loved, I, I'm not saying she shouldn't have been in it because I loved her acting. I think she, to me, doesn't seem old enough to have children that are that age. Right. But I think part of that is because, um, because brain, hold on one second. Um, because we know that they're, they're older than actual like teenagers. Well, they're, they're not teenagers. They're in college or university. Right, but it's um for Oliver, it's his first year at university. Yeah. Which means that he's probably 18 or 19 years old, supposed to be. That's true. Okay? And you gotta think about Rosamund Pike was born in 1979, so she's 44. So, you know, she she's technically old enough to be the mom of of these, you know, yeah. early 20 somethings. Yeah. She's in her forties. Yeah, I just don't I don't see it because I I don't see her as in her 40s, but that's just me. Fair. Again, 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 she was amazing in it. And I, I I, loved her in it. I just, I think I would have liked to see an older a actress in it. But that's just me. And also, now that I say that, I'm thinking of like now. And I don't think, I think it was set, a, set in like 2000s, like early 2000s. So it makes more sense for someone that age to have a child that's in college. Mm -hmm. Someone in their 40s. Like now... People aren't having kids until like they're 30. Yeah. A lot of the times. So it, it doesn't make sense for like, well, I guess even then 40, I guess, yeah, almost 50. Um, You would have to be almost 50 to have a kid that's in college. And then the last notes that I have on it is just the music. I loved the soundtrack and like the collection of music that they chose and yes. how they like they interweaved the music with what was going on and they like faded it. Like you were saying, part of the part of the interesting portion of the um, graveyard scene was you thought it was over because the music was starting to fade out and then it 
And then it changed. <laughs> and then it changed. And then I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, but no, the, the soundtrack was absolutely gorgeous. I loved I loved all the song choices. I loved the mu- like the music composed for the film itself. It just wow. Overall, like a really, really stunning, stunning movie. Um, and I, I loved it. Yeah, I would say if you haven't seen it and now listening to our review of it, if that makes you want to go see it, put away like those concepts of people talking about how gross it is to see um, those specific scenes. Because I mean, really, if you pay it, if you don't pay attention to those scenes, yeah, it kind of there. There's more to the movie than just those moments. They're they're there to make it to make you understand how obsessed this man is with this family and this lifestyle that he wants. That's the reasoning behind those scenes. It doesn't have anything to do with like the actual life of that person. It's just it's there. It's meant to show you how obsessed with he is, like how much his obsession is making him do specific things. Right. So I would go see it. I think it's an amazing movie. I think you should. It's on. Um, no, we're not, <laughs> we're not being paid by Prime, um, and I wouldn't take money from Amazon Prime anyways, um, but it's on Amazon Prime now. You can watch it if you have a Prime membership. Uh, I would say do it now because soon they're going to be including, um, ads in their movies. So, Ew. starting in, I think it's in 2024, like they'll have ad breaks in their movies. So what's the point of paying for it then? I don't know. I don't understand. Yeah, it doesn't it's make sense like, to I'll, me. I'll end my Prime membership over that. I the think reason a lot I of people... pay for it is because I don't want to see ads. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. Um, and that's that's our take on Saltburn. So and, go see it. Yeah. It was a beautiful movie. And I'm and I'm literally not joking. I'm after after we're done, I'm I'm gonna go downstairs and make me something to eat. I'm gonna watch it again. Like <laughs> that is my whole plan for this evening. <laughs> Let me get back to my other notes because I had one more thing um, I wanted to include in this conversation since it is going to be our 2020, uh, our first episode of 2024, <laughs> our last recording episode in 2023, our first actual like released episode in 2024. Um, so I thought we could talk about some things that we would like to have happen in 2024 or some things that we're looking forward to in 2024. Okay. And like to me... <laughs> For me, I kind of want to, Ryan has been talking about going to New York City and he really wants to do that. And the main reason we were, I I was struggling with being able to was because I didn't know what we were going to do with Bobo while we went. Um, Like, and I didn't didn't necessarily want to take him because it's a lot to travel there. It's a lot to travel back. And then what's he going to do while we're in New York? Um, So now Bobo has passed away. Um, planning a trip into New York City to for Ryan and I to go for like a weekend or something. Yeah, that sounds great. Because I would love to. And I it's been, what was it, 2012 that we went to New York City? 2013. 2013. So it's been, been over 10 years now that it's been since I've been to New York City. Yeah. And I was a very different person back then too, so. Same, same. Um, so a little bit more travel, I think, in 2024 um, is something I'm looking forward to or something I would like to do. Uh, and then I'm trying to decide what else I want to do, um, school wise. Like, do I want to go back to school for something else? Um, how am I going to pay for <laughs> my student loans that I have now with, right. cause that'll start in, 
I think it's May, I have to start paying back my student loans if I don't go back to school for something else. Right. I have to talk to um, my financial aid office after school opens back up because they sent me something saying that I've hit my my financial aid limit um, with them, which is what happens when like you haven't graduated yet. But the thing is, I have a ton of credits because I graduated from another college first. Um, so but they're looking at it as I have all these credits and I haven't graduated yet. So no. they remove the financial aid to try to like motivate you to actually graduate. Um, but the thing is, is that I'm, I'm like, well, I still need these prereqs before I can go over to UT. So I have to talk to them and see what's going on with that and if I can appeal it. Um, but I'm looking forward to getting back into the swing of things for school. I'm looking forward to um, hopefully getting a car in 2024. Yeah, I did like some of those cars that you sent, but it was like the issues, especially with the Volt. It yeah, yeah. And he wrote me back and he was just like, yeah, it won't run on just gasoline power. Because my thought process was, okay, if it's a hybrid and I have the option to just run it on gasoline until I could have like, you know, money saved up to fix whatever electrical issue it's having, you know, that's one thing. But he said it, it, it wouldn't work like that. Yeah, it's it's more of like the gasoline engine is the backup. Yeah. Then it is like you should run on gasoline because it's those are like plug in hybrids where the power, the main focus is the 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 battery. Right. We were, I was looking at one when they first came out and they're really nice. Um, but especially if it's having electrical issues, that's very costly to fix. And then, I mean, the. Although it's a lot more expensive, the Optima, like I said, they are, I loved my Optima. It was a really good car. Um, I didn't, I couldn't tell what engine it had. I think it was like a four liter, but I don't know if it has like a GTI or GDI engine. Um, I do know there are some issues with that, that specific engine. Um, I, like I said, I didn't look too much into it, um, but I loved mine. The only issue or the only thing I do have as like a watch out was the thing where those like that was the beginning of the models where they didn't put that um, that key in or not the key, the chip in. So it's yeah, easy yeah. to steal. Yeah. And it just says 2.4 liter engine. It doesn't say like what what engine it has in it. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to tell you. Um even just based on some the pictures. But I did like my car, my Optima that I had. It was nice. I just need a car. I understand. <laughs> I just need a car. <laughs> have you looked into like maybe driving for Uber and they have like that thing where you can get a rental car through them? See, I tried to do that with Lyft, um, but I could never get the application to work. Oh. So I tried multiple times, but I'm just like, I would love to drive for Lyft and or Uber or like drive for like, you know, Uber Eats or DoorDash or whatever as like a way to make some extra money on the side. But, you know, can't do that without a car. Speaking of making extra money on the side, I I applied for that. I think I talked about it here. Um, I applied for that. What was it? Um, yeah, Sarah. Yeah. That position at. New, uh, Purdue Global. Oh, yeah, yeah. I emailed them and I heard back. Um, let me see. Where is it? Uh, so I applied for it's like a, a position where you are 
a professor, but it's for like their onboarding um, or orientation is what it's called. And I, the other day, got a reply from someone from uh, Purdue Global. And it basically said right now they're not hiring because they're putting in a new pay system so they can't hire anyone anyways. Um, but my application is being reviewed. Okay. Oh, there it is. So it says, uh, we are thrilled that you were interested in a role at Purdue Global. Your application is under review with the department. Uh, Purdue Global is implementing a new pay system and we are unable to onboard new employees at this time. This, uh, it will be the new year when we start hiring again. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking into a lot of work from home stuff right now, trying to find something. <sighs> So hopefully, I mean, my idea with that is like, that's what's going to, I'm going to use to pay for my, cause it's not very much money. Um, and that's what I would use for my student loan payments, whatever money came in for that. That's an idea. So that's that, that's it. Um, do you have anything going on this weekend other than going to eat some, get some food and watch <laughs> salt burn again? Um, no, not really. I, um, I'm just chilling. Not not a whole lot. I picked up some extra shifts um, this weekend um, since we're going to be closed on New Year's. Um, I picked up some extra shifts so I could still make a little money. Um, so I will be going to work for a little bit tomorrow. But other than that, not a whole heck of a lot. I'm going to a party on New Year's Eve. Somebody, oh, it was Karen. She asked me what I was doing for New Year's and I was like... Probably nothing. Ryan and I don't really do anything for New Year's. We'll probably find a horror movie to watch and watch a horror movie and then cheers at midnight with some sparkling wine or something. That's probably all we'll do. You know, sounds like we're pretty boring people. <laughs> yeah. Well, you ready to call it a podcast? This is going to be a really long episode. This is going to be a really long episode. Uh, yes, I'm ready to call it a podcast. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Now About That with James and Sarah. And Happy New Year, because this is our first episode of 2024. If you like this episode, please give us a like and comment. And don't forget to follow or subscribe. And make sure you leave us a review in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen, as this will help get us out to more, uh, more people and it will help the podcast grow. Feel free to follow us on social media. All of our handles are at Now About That Pod everywhere. So Twitter, Instagram, threads all that it's at now about that pod and if there's something specific you would like us to talk about on the podcast make sure you f- uh, feel free to email us at now about that pod at gmail.com you can also visit our website www.nowaboutthatproductions.com um, or you can call us and leave us a voicemail or send us a text message with any questions you would like us to answer on the podcast our phone number is 765-557-4170 and thanks again for listening and we hope you have a great first week to 2024 and had a good holiday um, weekend safe new year's eve and look forward to things to come in 2024 y'all happy happy new year i hope all your dreams for the new year come true well sarah enjoy your weekend and have a safe and fun new year's eve as well you too and i will see you next time all right bye everybody bye